Good morning. Yeah, it is so, man, it's good to see you guys. I got to tell you something. This, thank you. I'm so, we're going to have a conversation this morning. It's going to be great. Uh, I got to say that this campus is not the same when you're not on it. Like it's quiet, lonely, and it smells weird. It's just like it's not, it's not the same. So I'm so glad that you're back. You guys were on break for like nine months, unless unless you're a basketball player, and then it was like four days. So welcome, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your break. Uh, I um this semester, this semester we have some amazing spiritual formation opportunities for you. During the spring, I just want to like get some business out of the way at the front of this so that we're all on the same page. During the spring semester, during this semester, you're responsible, just like last semester, to get 24 spiritual formation touch points. And each week, you're going to have three opportunities to get these touch points. Every Wednesday, we'll meet here in this space at 10 a.m. for chapel. Make sure you check in with your RA or Missy Mays if you're an off-campus student to make sure that you're counted present and you get your touch point. If for some reason you get the Rona or you end up in quarantine, don't worry because you can still stream live or you can go back and watch later and take a quiz on Canvas to get your touch point. So regardless of where you're at, you should be able to get a touch point for chapel, all right? Every Sunday night, you can earn a touch point by participating uh, in a showing of a TV show called The Chosen. It's a show that walks through the life of Jesus. And actually, we're going to meet in Science Hall in the room that's right above the student development office. So there's a room with like some couches in there. There's going to be a TV in there, and that's where we'll meet on Sunday evenings at 6.30. That'll be 30 minutes to an hour, depending on the length of the episode, all right? A really easy way to get a touch point. And then every Monday, starting after Martin Luther King Day, because you guys don't have school that day, so starting, I think it's the 24th, every Monday, your wing small group will meet at 10 a.m. Again, this is for a touch point. So in any given week, you have three opportunities to receive a touch point. This semester, if you were to go to everything, there are 41 opportunities, and you are required to get 24. Now, some of us struggled with touch points last semester, and you're entering this semester with like an official warning. If that's you, I want to encourage you to stay on track with your touch points because if you get a second like infraction, if it happens again, it will result in you being unable to dress out or play in your sport or other campus restrictions. Is everyone with me? If you're looking for a full fall schedule, if you want to know when everything is and you want to have it like on one sheet of paper, come and talk to me. I can give you that. We can, we can hook you up. All right, that's all the business stuff. It's all out of the way, all of the dot fun stuff. So last semester, last semester we worked through God's saga, this, this bigger story that we're all a part of. And we spent the entire semester 
working through the story of the Bible. And we worked through these chapters, and they all started with P. So creation, crisis, calling, conversation, Christ, community, commencement. And I'm sure somewhere in like the deep recesses of the back of your brain, you kind of remember this if you were here last semester. And so as we enter this semester, what I want to encourage us to do, my invitation is for us to live something bigger than ourselves. So, so this semester, we're going to continue to look at the saga that we're a part of and specifically how this saga relates to our identity and who God is. Specifically, if what the Bible says about God is true, then what does that mean about who I am? So this morning, if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Now, as you're finding that passage, if you don't have a Bible, we happen to be in a church, there happen to be Bibles right in front of you, highly encourage you to grab one and find it. As you're finding Colossians 3, I have a question. How many of you know who this is? Next slide. How many of you know who that is? Yeah, hopefully all, all of you. Uh, that's, that's Snow White. <coughs> uh, she was made most famous in 1937 when Walt Disney made an animated movie. But actually, the story of Snow White goes back to a story that was written in 1812. Now, in the 1812 version of the story, a lot of the things that were in the Disney movie are there, but not all of it. You see, the original story starts with a queen who sits sewing at an open window. She's sewing at this open window, and it's during a winter snowfall, and she pricks her finger with a needle. And when this happens, it causes three drops of red blood to drip onto freshly fallen white snow on a black windowsill. And the queen, when this happens, she says to herself, how I wish that I had a daughter whose skin was white as snow, whose lips were as red as blood, and whose hair was as black as ebony. And so sometime later, the queen gives birth to a daughter who she names Snow White. But the queen dies during childbirth. And a year later, Snow White's father, the king, marries again. And his new wife is this vain, wicked woman. And this new queen possesses a magic mirror. And every morning, she says, magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest one of all? And the mirror always tells the queen that she is the fairest one. And the queen is pleased by this because, because the mirror never lies. But as Snow White grows up, she becomes more beautiful each day and even more beautiful than her stepmother. It's until one day when the queen asks the mirror, it tells her that, that Snow White is the fairest. Now, a lot of this is in the Disney version. We know this. But in the original, instead of poisoning an apple, the queen hires a huntsman to go into the forest to kill Snow White and to bring her head back 
to prove that she's dead. Yeah, you're probably not going to see that ride at Disney World. That would be a sick ride, though. That would be amazing. Snow White, yeah. I want you to consider the story of Snow White as we unpack this text this morning. I want you to think about Snow White as we, as we read this together. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Be thankful. This is, this is the book of Colossians. It's a letter that's written by one of the first Christians, a guy named Paul. And Paul begins this verse and he says, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word rule means to like give control. So like your heart, how you feel, is supposed to be controlled by peace. The peace that God gives. Now, when the Bible was written, it wasn't originally written in English. The New Testament, where this is, was originally written in the Greek language. And in the, word, in the Greek language, the word peace is the word irene. Let me hear you say irene. Well, I was weak. Let me hear you say irene. Spirit check. Oh, oh wow. I'm telling Brian. I'm Spirit check. All right. All right. Let me, let me see you here. You say irene. All right. Now, irene. Irene means like harmony or safety. In the Old Testament, the word peace was the word shalom. And, and shalom means wholeness. It was, it was how God designed things to be. In the beginning, when God created, there was, there was shalom. There was balance. There was peace. So Paul says, let the irene, let the shalom of God, let the shalom of Christ rule your heart. Your heart, the place that controls our feelings, should be ruled by peace. Let's just pause here for a moment. Let's be honest. How many of us, when we consider how we feel in the average day, how many of us would say, oh, in the average day, what I feel is peace. It's bliss. It's drama-free perfection. Yeah, not, not many of us. No. Paul says, look. Paul says, let Christ have control of your life, including your heart and your feelings. Let God's peace take control. What would it look like? What would it look like if you gave Jesus control of your heart, of your, of your feelings? What if we committed to saying, Jesus, I give you my heart. And I ask that your peace would rule, that your shalom, that my heart would be as you designed it to be. What would that mean for us? What would that mean for you? Think about the things that consume us. Worry, doubt, anger, frustration, jealousy. What if we just stopped and said, here, Jesus, you take it. I surrender it all to you. Give me peace. Let it rule my heart. 
you know what we'd hear? If we did this, you know what we'd hear? We'd hear, shh, you're okay. We'd hear, you're okay. It's going to be okay. You are loved. You're created. You're valued. You have been designed with a purpose. There is a larger story that you've been invited to live in. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yes, there are still some rough edges. There's still some parts of you that don't align with God's shalom, but God is in the process of redeeming those parts. You're okay. You're going to be okay. See, I would argue, I'd argue that for a lot of us, we struggle to hear that voice. We struggle to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. And this, obviously, brings us back to the story of Snow White. I know, I nailed that transition. That was amazing. So in, in the story, the evil, some might call her wicked queen, stands every day in front of a mirror. She asks, magic mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? You see, she needs the mirror. The way she feels about herself, the way she acts, her whole life is based around the response that she gets from the mirror. What rules her heart is the mirror. And if the mirror tells her what she wants to hear, then she has one set of emotions. But as we know from the story, when it gives her an answer she doesn't want, she's consumed with all kinds of different emotions. Are, are you with me? I would suggest that for a college student living in 2022, let's be honest, for all of us living in 2020, this isn't just a college student issue. I would suggest that this is still our story. That we spend each and every day, multiple times a day, looking at our own magic mirror and asking it to tell us who we are. And if it says one thing, if it says one thing, we're filled with, with this particular set of emotions. But if it tells us something different, then there's a whole other set of emotions that come about. We let these mirrors define us. We will change ourselves so that the mirrors will give us the answers that we want. This isn't real. This isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. Excuse me, this is real. This isn't a fairy tale. We look at these magic mirrors. We say, magic mirror of Instagram, tell me who I really am. This thing, these things that all of us have, these devices, they become our magic mirrors. What really rules the way we feel is this. Magic mirror of Instagram, tell me, tell me who I really am. Magic mirror of Snapchat. Show me where my value's at. Magic mirror. Magic mirror of TikTok. Tell me if I'm loved or not. Magic mirror of Facebook. I'm just kidding. No one uses Facebook. Uh, that's, that's where our parents and our grandparents now hang out, so none of us are there. Um, uh, did I let everybody in on the secret? I'm sorry, college students. No one's on Facebook, parents and grandparents. I apologize. I'm at that really awkward age where I still use 
Facebook, and no, nothing brings me more joy than watching my dad try to navigate Facebook. Because I'll be like, oh, well, first of all, I'll be like, oh, it's his Facebook day, because the last 50 things I did on Facebook have been liked by him in the last five minutes. This must be the once a month where he signs on. And clearly he's trying to upload pictures because he's uploaded the same picture 17 times on his own profile. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Like, we know these people. My dad is also the guy that still signs all of his text messages, Dad. I'm like, Dad, you know I know it's you, right? He's like, well, how do you know? I'm like, because it's coming from your number. He's like, well, what if somebody stole my phone? Yeah, I suppose that could be a reality in the world. I'm 50% my dad is just doing it to mess with slash annoy me, but I can't, can't be sure that. This device, this device, more specifically social media. Social media is the new magic mirror. It gives us our identity. It tells us who's the fairest, and we will do whatever we can to hear our name. We want the likes. We want to look at the Instagram posts and see the number of hearts next to the pictures. And if there are a lot, it gives us a jolt in our spirit. And if there are a few, we feel down and frustrated. Sometimes we delete a picture and we start over. Speaking of starting over, let's be honest. Even the stuff that actually gets posted, it's not real. It's edited. Because you will take five or six selfies before you find the one that we actually like. You're like, there we go. I have the right number of chins because I've held it up to the ceiling and taken the picture, right? The one that's Insta-worthy, when then we apply the right filter and then we post it with the hashtag, no filter. And so the magic mirror of Instagram is happy to continue to give us our identity as we consistently chase after the next light. Peace doesn't rule our hearts. The magic mirror does. Magic Mirror, Snapchat, show me where my value's at. Are you aware that, um, aware that Snapchat is redefining beauty? That thanks to Snapchat filters, we can send pictures of ourselves to other people that are not an accurate representation of what we look like? You know the filters I'm talking about. They smooth out our skin. They cover our blemishes, make our eyes larger. And the message that the mirror sends is that this is the definition of perfection. The complexion of a cartoon. It's not real. And it messes with our brain. If there's one thing you hear me say this morning, Central, hear this. Listen to this. These magic mirrors, they're a lie. They're not real. They're not the truth. If you attach your beauty and your value and your worth and your self-esteem to these devices, to these mirrors of Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok, they're going to let you down. It's a lie and it will, it will destroy you. Did you know, you know that like iPhone just came out with a new version, right? You know the latest version of the iPhone um, has a new and improved front-facing camera? This is crazy to me. The last iPhone that was released, they have the three cameras on the back, but they also fixed the front-facing camera. Because one of the things that was updated is that the front-facing camera, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you take a front-facing selfie, because of how the lens is set up, it would like stretch and skew your image a bit. And so Apple fixed this. And they fixed it 
by applying the same kind of technology used in Snapchat filters. So now when you take a front-facing selfie on your new iPhone, it will automatically make you look skinnier. It will automatically smooth out your complexion. It will all on its own turn you into its definition of beauty. It's a lie. All of it is a lie. It's not true. The truth, the truth is that you are created and valued and loved and your identity, the bigger story that you're invited into, declares that you are beautiful, not because of what this magic mirror says, but because you have been woven together and designed by the one who put the stars in the sky and who created the heavens and the earth. Social media, these magic mirrors, they're a lie. They're a lie. Stop listening to them. Stop trusting them. Stop giving them pieces of yourself. They are a lie and they need to be destroyed. I was confident that tarp was going to like, handle it. There's, there's zero glass on the tarp. So we're all just going to leave real quiet pretend like we weren't here and it'll be like a surprise on Sunday morning. I'll be like, oh, where'd all that glass come from? So maybe <coughs> so maybe man, t-ball bats, they can do some damage. Maybe Maybe as we kick off a new semester and as we look at this idea of identity this semester and how we actually live in this bigger story, maybe you need to say, God, peace isn't ruling my heart and I need it to. That I need you to remind me that my value is found in you. That I'm created and loved and that there are if there are broken parts of me, God, that I need you to fix them because I can't do it. God, I believe that you're in the process of healing and restoring and redeeming all of me. Maybe you need to evaluate how social media makes you feel. What does it say to your heart, to your feelings? What kind of identity is it giving you? Is your heart being filled with peace? What that look like to your heart instead of peace? Do you love yourself because you know that you are loved by Jesus? Maybe ask yourself, who am I? Can you look at yourself in an actual mirror and say, my heart is ruled by peace? And so God, we give you this semester. We pray that this semester that you would speak to our hearts where there is chaos, where there is frustration, where there's bitterness, where there's hurt, where there's anger, God, that you would bring your peace. You would bring your shalom. God, I pray for, for all of us and the ways that we let culture, we let these mirrors speak to our hearts in ways that aren't true. I pray that you would send us back to the truth of your word, the truth of your son, Jesus, that we would know that we are loved and valued and created.
So we give you this semester. We pray that you would speak. I pray that you would bless these students as they go from this place. In Jesus' name, And everybody said, amen. You are dismissed. Have a great week.